I was saying I think I'm going to have beef with that new uh, Wednesday show, the new Adam's Family show. Because I've already heard people talking about how whoever made that show clearly, which is Tim Burton apparently, uh, clearly does not understand the Adams Family. Because, you know, Adams Family is supposed to be a kind of a mockery of what the perfect suburban family looks like. Um, they're like the opposite of everything it is, um, which means they're creepy and they're spooky. But... They're also loving, supportive, um, non-judgmental. Like they're they're welcoming. Like the wife and husband respect and support each other. And I almost said so, you mean Selena and Gomez, but that's not right. Gomez and Morticia. Yeah, there you go. And so, um, <laughs> but in this one, it seems like Wednesday has a real like attitude problem. Yeah, and you know yeah. she if you she deadpanned all her lines when she was doing like in the Adams family movie, she would deadpan all her lines. And this one, she's much more open to I'm like going to kill you uh when she says things you're like, "Wow. All right." Um and apparently she has some beef with Morticia in this show and like that would not be a thing. Wednesday loves and idolizes her mom. The family loves each other and they have each other's back that's it and it's someone's like why exactly are people trying to um turn the adams family into your average family because that is not what they are yeah well it's like the uh, uh what was the animated movie that we the the was it just the adams family animated movie yeah that felt weird i turned it uh off. well we were no we remember we were watching it last year and we were like 10 or 15 minutes in, and it's not that we thought it was bad but we literally were just like i am not vi like i'm just it not doesn't, it doesn't give me adams oh. family vibes I'm not vibing with this, so we just ended up switching it to a completely different movie because I was like, yeah, this doesn't feel very Adam's Family. But I feel like Jenna Ortega, that's her name, right? Yes. Yeah, I feel like she is, if, if it's not Christina Ritchie, because I know she's much older now, then I feel Jenna Ortega is a perfect casting in my opinion. But w when is it out, by the way? Is it already it's out? It's already out. Oh, then yeah, we should it, check it that out. It just came out okay. this week. We got to check that out. I know. Then. I'm just already worried Resistant. about it. Like yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't want them, because even by the trailers, um, it kind of feels like Tim Burton put his own Tim Burton thing on it, and um, which is fine, but you can't lose the original point of the characters. What did you say about him recently, too? Something about, like, uh, what, he doesn't use uh, black people because they don't fit his oh, aesthetic? Oh, he doesn't use people of color because they don't fit his aesthetic. Like, I, what? Actually, <laughs> Excuse okay. Excuse me? What is your aesthetic? Hilarious. Like I saw a TikTok where someone's like, when... When he was asked about why he doesn't have more people of color in his films, oh, he's so like, "What just... he should have said versus what he did say." Yeah. What he, they're like, "What he should have said is when he represents these bland suburban neighborhoods, he's just <laughs> using, um, he's just using yeah. what he grew up with, which right. unfortunately was not diverse. But if people would like to see more diversity in his films, he would like to work on how to do that respectfully." Like, and then what he did say was. This whole div uh, forced diversification is bad for movies. And you're like, oh, buddy. Buddy, that's not good. Like, just, I, so just, it's just any person. It's not just specifically just one group. People, people of, of color. color. Yikes, buddy. He, Yikes. Because he likes pale white people for his films, which is very obvious. But it's also like, yeah, you know, there are other races, right? Other people exist. And yeah. Should, yeah. So... Just maybe change your there. aesthetic maybe maybe work with your aesthetic to fit like i don't i don't know dude it I just mean, seems like so weird to say like you you know you don't have to stick to boring basic white people you can you can expand out yeah um also there's I, a lot of talent out there 
Also, I think it's funny that um, someone pointed out that most of the projects that Tim Burton is most well known for, he didn't direct them. He didn't write them. All he did was come up with the original idea and then somebody else did all the work. Uh, it was a female who directed, I can't think of her name, that directed like Edward Scissorhands. And um, I think Nightmare Before Christmas, like other people wrote the stories. He barely had anything to do with them, except his name is all over them. And it's like, yeah, he didn't actually do that much. And uh, but he's taken all the credit for those projects. Uh, I just have something to compliment what you said, and then we can go back to Adam's family. But it's very similar to like Steven Spielberg, because there's a lot of shit that he's produced that people think he directed. Case in point, Poltergeist. A lot of people... Just because Steven Spielberg, his name is on it, and I think it's bigger than Toby Hooper's. Uh, but uh, no, uh, Steven was very adamant about making sure Toby got credit for directing Poltergeist. So that's, but it's funny that you mentioned that because that happens all the time where you think someone has directed it, like Steven Spielberg. It's a huge name. And you do the research, and you're like, oh no, he just produced it. Like, yeah. Yeah. So that happens. Um, what was the movie that you said? I'm sorry. I, uh, I, I think I, Edward Scissorhands is the one uh, was like one of the biggest examples. But there's a few of his big movies where the same woman directed. All of them. And it. hell, I don't know her name because as far as I knew, Tim Burton directed those because his name is all over those projects that he didn't have much he, to he do with. He did in. direct uh, Edward Scissorhands. Tim Burton, director. Let me look. Yeah. Um, well, what else has he done? Maybe, was it something that he produced, like wrote or like had credit for writing or something? Uh, let me see. He is a weird looking. I don't think I've ever. Oh, he, oh yeah. That no, looks like okay. a, that looks like a fucking mugshot. Here we go. It's the writer. Yeah, no, I know what he looks <laughs> no, like. No, I'm just you, saying that picture. Don't have to show me that picture. Just looks like a mugshot. This is IMDb profile picture. Good God. Yeah. So <laughs> the person who wrote um, Edward Scissorhands also did the original Adams Family, A Nightmare Before uh, Christmas, Black Beauty, Buddy. Mm. Corpse Bride. Mm. Um, so yeah, she like she should be having more credit. Her name is Caroline Thompson. Caroline Thompson. That, ooh, that does sound familiar. Yeah, Caroline. That's a good name. Um, yeah. So oh, fuck. What were you saying? Oh yeah. Uh, Wednesday. That's the official title of it. Correct. Yeah. All right. So Wednesday. There. Oh, there's only four episodes. Oh wait, eight episodes. I'm confused. Oh, three got released today. Wait, no, I'm so confused. What's going Are on? Are you good? Well, because it says right here, Wednesday, four episodes. Oh, maybe he only directed four episodes. Oh, that's Yeah, maybe go by the actual page. Sorry, sorry. I'm going on the actual page. So there's eight episodes. Looks like they're, wow, they're all exactly 40. That's impressive. They're all exactly 45 minutes. Wow, that is super impressive. And uh, the little blurb about it is, this follows Wednesday Adams' years as a student when she attempts to master her emerging psychic ability, thwart and solve the mystery that embroiled her parents. And I think that, uh, isn't, uh, where's more, where's Gomez? Isn't Gomez, what's his face? Yeah, I can't think of the... Uh... Yeah, I don't even see him listed here. Um. Yeah, he What is... the hell? That's so weird. Oh, Ricky Lindholm is in that. That's pretty cool. She's uh, half of the Garfunkel and Oates duo. It's, uh, Louis Guzman. Yeah, Louis Guzman. Where is he build? He's way back there because they're Whoa. only partially shown in the show. Oh, he's and, only in two episodes. Yeah, and Catherine Zeta Jones is uh, Morticia. Oh well, I don't, I don't like that at all. That what? Yeah. Well, also what? Wednesday is psychic now. Yeah, I was gonna say she's never and been if psychic, we right? Learned anything 
from the Friday the 13th films, it's, you do not need to make people psychic. You do not need to interject that into a story for the first, because that, that, that was the seventh movie in the Friday movies. That's a really late time to interject that. So, yeah. yeah. They're, oh, they're, man, yeah. Um, I'm not going to. I can already tell. I'm probably not going to yeah, enjoy this. Yeah, why do you this. need to make her, like, why do you need to give her super magic powers? Um, her super magic power was, like, sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> and knowledge of how to be a good serial killer. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was going to heavily feature. I knew it was about her, obviously, because of the name, but... I figured it would at least, uh, you know, have Morticia and Gomez in more than two fucking episodes, like in Pugsley too, two episodes. Yeah. I was kind of excited for that. Now I'm not so much, but I was turned off about the time that someone uh, there was the spoil or the teaser trailer uh-huh. where she threw a bunch of piranhas into a swimming pool because the high school kids bullied Pugsley. And um, then I guess they probably got killed. And it's like, yeah, they're all for the macabre. Mm, um, but exactly. you never really see the Adams family go outright violence towards other people. Um, they deal with things in their own way. And uh, they don't need your you, approval. You never actually see them going violent. I mean, like you have the whole camp scene at the end of Adams Family Values where they're like raining terror on people. But like you don't actually see them straight up kill people. Yeah, that seems a little extreme. It, it seems aggressive. Just a little bit. Um, I was going to say something else. Uh, oh, yeah. We have uh, Gwendolyn Christie, though, in eight episodes. And she was uh, Captain Fa- Phasma. Phasma? Yes. Phasma from... And Brie of Tarth in uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, so she, oh, okay. So she's like... And we saw her in that one movie, and it was horrifying. Mm, yeah, we did. Oh, wait. What movie? Flux. Oh, flux, uh, flux pavilion, flux capacitor. No, flux gourmet. Flux gourmet. Flux gourmet. Yeah, that was a movie. That was a movie. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Ricky Lindholm, though, being in this, it's funny because her uh, pal uh, Kate Micucci, part of the Garfunkel and Oates duo, she was just in uh, the uh, I don't remember what episode it was, but it was that episode with all the, with all the shampoo and uh, Cabinet of Curiosities. Oh yeah, so she was the, great in that. Yeah, so it seems like they're both kind of breaking out into spooky things. That's uh, that's interesting. I really enjoy that. Well, you say that, but um, wasn't the other one in... Kate Micucci? Yeah, wasn't she in uh, Last House on the Left? Was she? Last House on the Left, Kate Micucci? The blonde one. Which no, the Ricky blonde Lindholm. One? Yeah, Ricky Rick- Lindholm was in Last House on the Left. I was like, no. I I'm pretty sure she was. Like the remake? Yeah, I'm oh, pretty shit. sure it was yeah. her and the guy who plays <laughs> the what? The main guy's dad in um, Raising Hope, which is really weird because he's so loving and goofy in that. And then in that, and then, you know, Last House on the Left is Last House on the Left. I'm like, I'm having a hard time reconciling that these are the same actor. I wonder if that was before Garfunkel and Oates because, like, that was 2009 was Last House on the Left. When did when did What's they... funny is I own that film. I've seen it approximately once since we saw it in theaters because I remember the week I saw that. I saw that movie and I saw The Watchmen. Both with some really graphic (laughs) sex scenes. Obviously, one was way worse than the other. But me and my friends were watching these movies and we're like, why does this keep happening? Because we didn't really know what really we didn't know how graphic Last House on the Left was going to get. Oh, yeah. But it is really, really hard to reconcile the main villain in that yeah, being she, such a lovable character on a TV show. She plays. Yeah, she plays Sadie in Last House on the Left. Also, 
Uh, Garfunkel and Oates started in 2007. So two years after that started, she's like, let me do last album left. Yeah. Interesting. Um, wow. So that's something that's out right now. You can stream it on Netflix. It came out yesterday, actually. Wednesday. Wednesday. Not Last House on the Left. Uh, yes. No. Wednesday came <laughs> out on a Wednesday. I mean, that just makes sense. And uh, today we are recording on Thanksgiving. So happy belated turkey hobble, day. Hobble. Yeah. Happy belated turkey day because this will be posted tomorrow. It's also 9.04 in the morning. I think this is the earliest we've ever recorded. That's probably why I sound groggy and very... Uh, Flemmy. Uh, that morning slim. Uh, but this is episode 167. Uh, welcome to Frightmares. I'm your host, Austin Proctor. That is your other host, Gabrielle Proctor. If you hadn't guessed. If you hadn't already known. Uh, today we are talking about Dagon, which is a Stuart Gordon vehicle, um, HP Lovecraft adaptation, which he does frequently, as we'll get into in a little bit. And it was funny because... Before we watched it, we were discuss- you know, we were debating how is it pronounced because there's like 17 ways you could pronounce it. You could say Dagon, Dagon, and that's pretty much it. So no, I um, remember I told you that <laughs> Dagon. So there's a demon in Supernatural named Dagon, but then in Buffy, there is the order of Dagon. Yeah, so yeah. But they called it the Dagon Sphere. Yeah, so there's a few ways you can inflect that word to make it sound different, but... They have I just, nothing to do with each other. For yeah, the um, I just it's just looked it looked like a Dagon. I figured it wasn't Dagon, so I've been saying Dagon. And when we watch the movie, it can confirm Dagon is the way. He is he is the god. It's so. only Dagon if you're in Buffy and you're trying to use the orb of Dag- or Dagon to stop a god, or if you're a middle aged man in his forties with kids that doesn't want to swear, so you say Dagon it. <laughs> <laughs> Almost spit my drink. Thank yes! you. Yes. Yes. Uh, so we'll get that t- in in a minute. I know it's already been fifteen minutes, but we'll get there. Uh, we've got some things to, to discuss. Uh, a few mo- two movies we've we've watched, and then a TV show we just finished. So we just finished season one of Chucky. Overall thoughts and feelings. Go. Um, I'm gonna say the uh, violence was wild. I really liked the way they uh, traveled the story. Like we talked about how. Um, we were trying to figure out why he wasn't killing more people. And we're like, all oh, right, because if he kills the entire cast immediately, who the hell's carrying the story along? Um, yeah, it's not like an hour and a half movie where everyone can pretty much is expendable. This is like an eight, uh, you know, six at six and a half hours of, of show. Yeah, so. but not to say they didn't kill some season one main cast members because they well, certainly did. Didn't then they, you know, they recap all the kills at the end. It was like 21 kills. Yeah, and like, I was like, holy shit, I didn't realize it was that many. Yeah, there's some really fun wall breaks, some really fun character development. Like, it's a fun show, and I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing more. And I really love that they delved into how we got from, uh, how we went from a child to Chucky, like, and everything in between that. Like, how how did he even get into killing? How did he even meet Tiffany? Because I said, because we knew... um, Jennifer Tilly was going to be in the show. I'm like, I really hope they show how he and Tiffany got together because I've always wondered what that looked like. Yeah. And you do actually get to enjoy that. So that was fun. Yeah, that was super cool. You get to see uh, the like the backstory on Charles, which is it's it's like Halloween 2007. We didn't really which was intentional. Yeah, we didn't really need a backstory. Like no one was asking for it. But I'm not mad that I'm getting it because it always can add depth to characters, especially a character that's been around since '88. You know, uh, Child's Play originally came out in 1988, so he's been around for 34 years. So 
to now go back into his past is is fun and it's it's written by Don Mancini so it's not like it's some other person coming in and doing something random no it's Don Mancini just fleshing out his characters which is super cool um and yeah you get to see how they get together and then it also picks up right after not okay it doesn't pick up right after cult but they explain throughout the cult of Chucky and then how they got to where they are now which is again super cool that they're connecting it to the actual you know, the timeline. Yeah, it's, it's super important that you've seen the movies. I yes. mean, now I do appreciate, though, that if you haven't seen the movies, like for, there was one character that came on screen and honestly, I couldn't remember who it was right away. Um, and then they did do a flashback to explain, to like kind of refresh your memory of who that character was. And it wasn't super long or convoluted. It was just like, oh, yeah. And you're like, oh, right, was right, right. Fiona right. Dorof's character? And no, it was Kyle. Oh yeah, because I, I totally <laughs> forgot that altogether. But um, and it's actually the same actress too. Which yeah, they've is, got which the is, same actors where they could so, get the same actors. It's so awesome because she's even dressed like her at one point in all the black. And I was like, dude, this is cool. Like, yeah, I just I'm having so much fun with this. But I do think that we really could have used the whole um, how did he. Tiffany and Chucky even get together in the first place because yeah. honestly you see Bride of Chucky she's like yeah he's my ex-boyfriend yeah and that's all you really get you get that they know each other and they have history and then you know it's still hilarious but you're also like but what? how did these <laughs> when did these two date because you know they had all those other films when the hell did they date when was that yeah and so then they explain it you're like oh oh no that makes much more sense it's yeah. not like it didn't make sense before but it really like clarifies that timeline because i legitimately always wonder where the hell she fell into the timeline of chucky's life yeah because even in bride of chucky uh you know tiffany was very convinced that charles was going to ask her to marry uh him at some point and in Bride of Chucky, he's like, he laughs about it. He's like, you thought we were going to get married? And it, it, it kind of weighs into the show because of how he treated her in the show. It almost makes Bride of Chucky even funnier because of how he's kind of been towards her. And he has, you know, he's not the greatest towards her. He like loves her, but he also, he also really only cares about himself and wants to do whatever he wants to do with or without Tiffany. And then it comes back around to bite him and they tie that into the first movie. It's like is, he cares about her, but not as much as he cares about himself. So he right. really chooses himself at yeah. times where she wants him to choose her. Yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's very clever how they do, how they do it. Yeah. But I'm really looking forward to, uh, watching the next season. Um, um, Which is on Peacock, you said. By yes, the way, yes, it's nice. streaming so on Peacock. So if you Peacock. have Peacock uh, Plus or whatever the, Despite, I you know you know we were talking about that where that was streaming, and you said you were pretty sure it wasn't streaming anywhere we had, but come to think of it, you made your icon on Peacock, Chucky. I did. Yeah, which is a real dead giveaway <laughs> that the show's on there. Well, you know, I just bought the first season because I wasn't sure if it was going to be readily available, and it was like eighteen bucks, and plus I like physical media, so. Uh, you know, we haven't been streaming the first season anywhere, and you were like, oh, "You're like, I don't." I was like, "I don't think it's anywhere," and you said, "I'm pretty sure it's somewhere. It's on Peacock." Oh yeah, that's right. You are um, toothless, and I am Chucky on our little icon. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But um, it's definitely super fun. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and it's surprisingly gory for a TV show. I don't know how sci-fi gets up. Maybe because they're like a premium channel. I think maybe. Yeah. I don't know how they get away with it, but it, it's pretty. And it's not like the cheesy sci-fi gore. It's it's some pretty solid gore. Yeah. It's and good. I, and I really enjoy, um, you and I were talking about how um, because of uh, Chucky's history with his child and seed of Chucky, uh, Chucky's an ally. Glenda, yeah. He's well, a killer, but he's an ally. Yeah. I, ma I made that meme that was very controversial. Um, 
that included when he was talking about having a queer kid. And, you know, he's, you know, uh, I can't remember the kid's name in the show. Oh, my God. Glenn. No, 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 oh, no. Oh, not that kid. Uh, the curly-headed kid. I cannot remember his name. Oh, my God. Jonathan. Maybe. Everybody's named Jonathan in my head right now. Uh, and he was like, you know, he's like, you didn't care because he, the the um, John in the show, if that's his name, he is, um, you know, he's in the community. So Jake. 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 Okay, it's a Jake. I, I was there. And uh, Chucky's like, I'm not a monster. So insinuating that he's fine with, you know, the LGBTQIA plus community. And, you know, he's he's not, a, he kills people, but he's okay with, you know, gay people. Like, so I'm, I'm not I'm a, a monster. I'm a killer, not a bigot. <laughs> Jesus. And I was like, that's awesome. But it makes sense because uh, uh, Don Mancini is, is actually gay. So it makes sense that he interjects positivity towards that in his, um, you know, in his stuff. It's obviously more prevalent now because it's becoming finally becoming more accepted, even though I posted that <laughs> that meme and some people are like, I can't believe we have to like include this stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, God forbid we make gay people feel included because they really haven't had that much in their life because of society. So God forbid we make them feel welcome. And, and not like have to live in fear, yeah. which unfortunately like they, is still horribly prevalent yeah. today. I'm sure you all know. But, but you know, I'm standing there. I'm like, yes, yeah, so sorry that we have to represent every person. Like it's 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 this is a good thing that's happening. I don't know why people were like they were really showing their bigotry on Facebook. I'm like, you are openly being homophobic. How are you OK with that as like a lifestyle choice? You know what? Some people made it seem like it was okay to say all of your horrible thoughts out loud. Uh, and yeah. unfortunately, it's, and it's turned now. into some disgusting stuff that people need to think about. But honestly, you fucking know those people have never heard this podcast because if anything, we are very inclusive with um, yes. who we like to like people in media we like to represent. We talk about it all the damn time about the importance of representation and where we see good representation and bad representation. So like, dude, if you're following this page or you're like following Frightmares and, and you're like a bigot, you're on the wrong fucking page, bro. You're, you're on the wrong side of social media. Cause, yeah. uh, cause we are, we're not here for it. Well, and I know, and I know we've come a long way from like the first episode and you know, where I just would say wild things or things I didn't, you know, mean to say, but came out or whatever. So, I've tried to, you know, really focus on what I say and really start putting a positive, like, you know, I'm saying like, mean what you say and yeah. not say things you don't mean yeah, to say. Yeah, because, I, you know, we joke around a lot and I'll make jokes, but not re realizing that people might not understand it because pretty much everything I say, if I'm not passionate, you know, not like, except for right now, I'm obviously very serious about this situation, but typically I just, I, I'm joking around or fucking around most of the day. So I've tried to reel that back on the show because I know it might be confusing for people and I don't want to send these mixed messages. So I know we've kind of, we've, you know, we've said some crazy shit in previous episodes. And so I'm just trying to like hone that in and, you know, put a positive message out that about, about how we feel. And I don't, I will not tolerate any of that shit on, on my page or anytime I see it in any groups, I, I, I will call people out. I'm like, you know, because everyone has a voice on the internet and that's great. You know, you can say whatever you want, but when you're saying shit like that, like, it's just not cool. And even even if what I say has no effect on you, I need to say it because you need to hear you need hopefully multiple people have been saying, like, hey, this is not a cool thing to do. Like, don't don't be don't be doing this online for everyone to see because what or the at fuck? all, just don't do it. No, but, I, I mean, I, mean like, I can't control what you do in your own home. Do whatever you want in your own home. But if you're going to be uh, to the public, at least tr act like you're not a piece of shit. <laughs> just. Look, if it makes you feel any better, um, growing up being a teen in the um, 
late 90s to early 2000s, to like pretty much the 2000s. Yeah. Um, I think unintentional internalized homophobia was just part of the deal it, because what? of it the was. media and how much they portrayed it as being humorous and fun. And I think you have done a really good job of unlearning that stuff that you did not inter and intentionally ingest. Like I personally know there was stuff that I didn't know there was a problem with. Um, yeah. So I was like, I, there was stuff that someone had to point out to me at some point. I mean, obviously it happened a lot earlier for me where they were like, Hey, you know, that's not cool. I'm like, Oh, you're right. And I just never thought of it because yeah. it was just part of regular media. Everybody has to unlearn that shit at some point. Well, that's the, and I think that's also the confusing thing for people because it was, you know, we've had this discussion a hundred times, but because it was so just like, uh, you know, quote unquote, okay. In those early two thousands, like everyone, people just, yeah, people just haven't unlearned that it's not okay we were just kind of the product of our, of our environments and just doing it because it seemed n like normal and natural. But now as a 32-year-old man, uh, because back then I was, you know, 12, 13. Now, you know, 20 years later, I can be like, yeah, obviously. You can learn and yeah, grow. You can learn and grow. And, you know, we will not tolerate any racism or bigotry or anything in that vein on this podcast. Like just like horror films have learned and grown, that that is no longer. Right. The, hor the gay community is actually big into horror films. And the fact that we've really moved away from that rampant homophobia that was we know was littered over the 2000s <laughs> so bad it's just a beautiful thing that we have really like moved and we are working on being more inclusive like in the films yeah so that Absolutely. way everyone can enjoy the damn films together except I, apparently bigots i don't think you understand how excited i am for next fucking pride month for like th doing the episodes on this i'm so it's like i think that's my favorite themed month i'm looking forward to is pride month and we're going to have, I'm going to try to get some some guests on in the community. I am obviously, I would love, like I told you, I was like, I know I don't know if you knew any drag queens, but I was like, I, I, would, I, was like, I would love to have a drag queen on the show because they, I, they're so much fun to talk to. They're so much fun. I've yeah. talked to them like one or two in my life, but they're so, they just have so much energy and I just, I love speaking to them. They, they just seem like a lot of fun to have. I have never talked talk. to a single one. Really? Uh, frankly, I'm intimidated by someone who has that much confidence and energy that I don't have. That's and what, I'm like, I, like I'm the in, light is too bright. It blinds me. I'm impressed by just how much, like, I wish I had that. But no, I got dragged to uh, Parliament House. You got dragged well, to Parliament I didn't House? Know what it, I didn't know what it was. <laughs> I just heard you no know, stories about it. And I was like, I don't know if this seems like the vibe for me, but I got dragged. No, there. I've been there. Oh, dragged. Oh. Yeah, oh there you go. There oh, you go. You got oh. it. You got it. Yeah, well, because they were like, we're all going out. And I'm like, where? Like, Parliament House. I'm like, I don't know what that is, but okay. And I got there and I was like, oh, this is a gay club. Oh, okay. Interesting. And then we watched the drag show and I was like, this is a whole new world I've never seen before. So, you know, I was drinking and just circulating. And I was just like, man, these people are having so much fucking fun. I love this. Yeah. This is great. So I'm excited for next June. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, let's get back on topic here, though. We, we get all we're very passionate about these things. And we kind we of do <laughs> uh, real quick. Let's talk about the two movies that we watched. Um, we've watched Pearl. Uh, I'll, I'll take the lead on that one real quick, and you yeah. can do the other one. Uh, so if you don't know what Pearl is, there's a movie that, that came out earlier this year called X, directed by Ty West. It was an amazing movie. Really enjoyed it. Probably going to be in the top five this year for me. And um, there was a character in that movie named Pearl. She was the older lady. And now this movie is focusing around her and her you know, younger days and how she became who she is in X. And while I enjoyed Pearl, I uh, I just got a completely different 
movie from the trailer than what we got. So it was a little confusing because the trailer was very quick paced and fast. And there was like slashing and there was an explosion. And I was like, this is going to be a wild, crazy like clusterfuck. And it was good. Mia Goth's performance was like fucking amazing. I think she nailed it. But it was very kind of slow and kind of slow moving and it just wasn't nearly as exciting as I thought it was going to be. And I, like I said, I just got a completely different vibe from the trailer. And this is one of those instances where the trailer just gives you a false sense of what's to come in the movie. So you're expecting one thing and then you just get dealt something else. Not to say it was bad. It was just way different than what I thought. So I think, you know what? We were talking about how I had watched The Ring way too late and I, it had been overhyped at that point. So when I saw yeah. it, I was like, this is not near as good as I thought it was going to be. That's what happened with Pearl for me. It was everyone had talked about how this movie was amazing. This is one of the best films of the year. And I was like, oh, shit, that's cool. Good. Yeah. Good to know. I'm like, I'm avoiding spoilers. And then I watched it and I was like, yeah. I mean, her performance, absolutely, it's great. Five and there were some super fun unhinged moments, but for the most part, I'm like, I'm kind of waiting for something to happen, and it's not happening. And even when the stuff that was happening happened, I was like, well, that was brief. So yeah. it, I think we waited too long and had too much outside opinion. Maybe we would have enjoyed, enjoyed it more had there not been so much hype ahead of the film to expect something mind-blowing. But I was like, yeah... I think we waited too long to watch well, this. fucking COVID, man. We were supposed to see it in theaters, but I got COVID, so we That's couldn't true. go anywhere. And then by the time, you know, I was I was I was better and over it. It was like, okay, it's playing in very like few theaters at very odd times. Okay, I'll just wait till the fucking Blu-ray comes out. And I picked up the Blu-ray the day it came out. So, you know, and then Spencer saw it, and he was like, oh, five out of five. And I'm like, holy shit, okay. Whoa, you know, Spencer doesn't just give out fives, just like me. I don't just give fives out. Um, but, you know, X has a very high rating for me. And I'm like, I don't I don't see this being as good. I just don't. No offense to Ty West or, or Mia Goth, but I'm like, I just don't see this being as good as X, especially after all the hype. And yeah, and then I'm like, well, like, I still gave it a four. Like, it's not doesn't have a bad rating by any means, but it's, you know, it has a higher rating than X. X has like a three seven. Pearl has a three nine. So I'm like, holy shit. Like, how can it get better than X? Oh, well, for me, it doesn't. X is obviously, to me, the superior film. Um, and then there's also, like, a lot of questions left unanswered with Pearl. You yeah, know, I was kind of annoyed that... Yeah, they didn't exactly... Howard was, wasn't was in the movie for yeah, more than two minutes. And I'm like, in, like, four minutes of the movie. I was excited to see, like, how, you know, she starts killing. How does he get on board with it? How does he reconcile with it? And they stay married all these years? Like... How does that all happen? You know, you don't see that shit at all. Yeah, you don't see any of the things that I wanted to see. You barely get to see how he feels about it. You know, yeah, because at the end of the movie, like he he's that's like his starring moment at the end of the movie, and then the movie ends, and you're like, but what about all the stuff in between now and old age, or even just like maybe ten years from now or something? Nope. Okay, well that's weird. I don't know. Um, it was it was like a slight disappointment, but again, it still is a four. I still think it is a fantastic movie, mainly due to Mia Goth's performance and the fact that I respect Ty West. Like he's like one of my favorite directors. Uh, so it's a res out of it, like it's probably like a full star out of just respect for them. Yeah, and um, what they did, you know. So if you ever want to hear anything amusing, um, if you've never heard Mia Goth speak normally. Her voice sounds like a sugar cookie. It's it's hilariously She's just so, so soft delicate. and gentle and delicate. And you're like, 
And then she talks in this, and she sounds like she's just like a hillbilly. You're like, she's not only that, what? but she's usually screaming and loud and angry, and you're like, oh man. Ah. And, and, and then she has that like four-minute four monologue. I'm like, I was watching that. Like, this hasn't cut. This is she's just one taking this. Holy shit, impressive. Like, t- like ten out of ten gold stars all around for her performance. Like, yeah. it was she fully committed, and it like hundred percent worked. Um, so yeah, definitely prefer X. Uh, that'll that'll come up at the end of the year, uh, and I'm sure Pearl will for Spencer. So I'm I'm very curious to see where he put that on his list because, as it stands now, I have now six movies with five stars. I don't know how to live anymore because I've never I got had, two. I've never had more than one every every year has been one five star and the rest four and a halfs and fourths. I have fucking six five stars. I'm freaking out on how to rank these. I've Actually, never let me had. Re- yeah, this year has been ludicrous for not only horror movies, but like good horror movies. Uh, I think this is the best year since I've been since I've been logging films in Letterboxd. This is absolutely my uh, my. Can you make lists with yours? Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, okay. I've got yes. I've got two. I forgot to add Pearl to this. No. Oh, yeah. You should do Oops. that. Oops. Uh, so yes, moving on to the next movie, and then we'll get on to the movie of the hour here. And uh, we just recently watched The Menu with Ralph Fiennes and Anya Taylor Joy. So if you want to go ahead and take the lead on that one, we'll uh, talk about this little gem. Yeah, I heard a lot of people saying it wasn't really so much a horror as it was like a thriller, and there were definitely some horrific moments to it. But I think, yeah, I see what you're saying. There are no jump scares, that kind of thing. It's fine, but there are different, definitely. Plenty of horrific elements to it. So it's supposed to be a um, a group of people um, going on a... Um, so it's Anya Taylor-Joy's on a date with Nicholas Holt. And they are going to this exclusive, exclusive restaurant that is on an island that you have to pay like $1,200 yeah. a head or something to yeah, just 12 go... 12 or 15 I think. Yeah, yeah, a head to go eat there. And the chefs live on the island. They make everything on the island. It's all um, very exclusive. They never make the same menu twice. And they only have like 12 people in the restaurant eating with them. So it's really an ensemble film. And I think they did a really nice job like balancing out time between characters. Um, So you don't feel like you missed too much of somebody or somebody else or got too much of somebody else. Obviously, Anya Taylor-Joy gets the... um, And Ralph Fiennes, who is the head chef get the bulk of the screen time because they're the main characters but i think it did an absolutely excellent job like i don't want to give anything away about this because you already know based on the genre of the movie that something's gonna go awry but you just don't really know where it's going and they did a really good job keeping the mysteries mysteries for a long portion of the film, like it was really hard to guess where it was going to end up. And frankly, I didn't know where it was going to end. I mean, they tell you how they want it to end, but you really don't know how it is going to end till you get there. And it was chaotic. It was um, definitely a. Uh, what What's the word I want? It, it's um, an enigma. No a mystery wrapped in a riddle. No, I, I don't know. I don't know where you're going. I'm sorry. I'm usually- no, it's like um, it's definitely a film that's supposed to be speaking on the um, elite nature of like these kinds of restaurants and how like f- and about how food is meant to be enjoyed. But like sometimes people are just eating. It, it, it encompasses a lot of people, like a lot of the diners at the restaurant. Some of them are just going there because 
they can and they afford it and it's the best. So they go there all the time. Other people are just going so they can say they've been there. You know, there are so many different types of people, but they're only people who are rich and can't afford to go. So they're just there for the prestige of going less so about the food and going to just enjoy a fancy meal. And it has a lot to say about um, people who do that and but like still don't appreciate that that privilege, um, which you and I both talked about how that can totally read into um, how people perceive uh, horror films sometimes like they they because they've done it like they've seen them all and they know everything and they feel like they have the room to like just critique literally every movie and um crap on everything that's not to their palate um which is fine to have opinions but then at a certain point you're just saying a movie's bad because it's not your thing like if i don't like a movie i don't like a movie you might still like it that's cool for you to like it go nuts and like it i'm not going to tell you you're wrong for liking it except for firestarter if you like firestarter you're wrong yeah um the remake the remake remake. for the love of god the remake drew barrymore is a precious angel uh like an adult one now. You know what I'm saying. Anyway, yeah. so uh, the <laughs> speaking of angels, so the menu. Um, Am I going to get to say anything? Yeah, go ahead. You said so much. I had so much to say. No, I'm just kidding. Go, you uh, go. told me to do this one. I know. No, sorry. You were, you were saying things that warranted responses, and I was like, Ugh. no, go ahead. Go ahead and finish. I'll just, I'm going to touch on the uh, social issues about the people involved yeah, that were there, because so, um, I think it's very interesting. Yeah, we agreed that it was like we found a lot of the characters to be super insufferable, like the whole oh yeah film. But it was really clever, really well done, and um, the ending was delightful. It was toasty. It, um, <laughs> it was very warm. Uh, it just made me feel good about myself. Uh, no, I just find it interesting too. Speaking on kind of like the social side or the social whatever you want to call it, because you have Anya Taylor Joy and I don't remember his name in the movie, but Nicholas Holt. Nicholas Holt, uh, who's a beast from the new X Men movies, and he is there. Well, it's funny because he was supposed to bring someone else, but I guess they canceled, so he brought Anya Taylor Joy, who is someone you'll find out. Why is he there exactly? He just wants to experience it, right? He's there. He's there for like the actual reason that Ralph Fiennes wants people to be there for. No, no? he is there because he knows everything about everything, and he's obsessed with knowing every little detail of cooking. Like he's oh, someone yeah, who's yeah, like yeah, too yeah, obsessed yeah. with knowing the details instead of enjoying the experience. And like Th- that's right. My bad. I yeah. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. That was that was totally wrong there. But then you have the married couple who is there like every fucking time. Yep. And, uh, you know, at one point, you know, R- Ralph Fiennes is like, tell me what tell me one thing you've had other than tonight. And they can't name anything. So the they're they're there to be like, yeah, you're just here because you can afford it. You're rich. We get it. And then you have the they weren't a couple, but they were like critic reviewers, food, foodie yeah. reviewers. And they're there as the people who are just. Those people that you can't please, like they are just shitting all over everything, even though this is one of the most exquisite dining experiences you will ever have. So they represent people who just can't be satisfied over anything. Then you have the rock star, superstar, whatever guy, actor actor guy, John Leguizamo, John Leguizamo, who is there just because like he 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 claims to be a friend of the chef. Yeah, he claims. Yeah, that's right. He claims. So you you found out he's pretty much a fraud at that point. And then you have the the group of guys there. And I can't really remember exactly why they were there. So they are there because they're those guys who um, 
that type of bro guy who likes to throw money around because they can and they want to show that they can afford things and they like to power That's play right, on yeah. staff because they work for the guy who opened the restaurant with Ralph Fiennes' character, That's like who's right, the, yeah. the angel donor. And all of this stuff about these people and their groups comes back around the end in a very interesting way and how the story progresses, just like you said, Completely mysterious. Don't really know what's going to happen. But I can tell you this. The second that that boat that dropped them off left, I was like, I don't think anyone's leaving alive. <laughs> like, I don't like I don't know. Something terrible is going to happen because you figure if it's on an island, that boat should be waiting there because it's a meal. Like, what, two hours maybe? Why would you go and come back? So from that moment on, I was like, this is fucking suspect. I don't trust that boat leaving. Even Ani Taylor-Joy's character looks around. I'm like, yeah, I see that too. This is not going to be well for you. go well for you guys. So if you can catch that in theaters, I say go see it. It's only like an hour and 46. It's not even that long. And you don't feel any of that runtime. I don't even think I went to the bathroom one time during this. No. Yeah. Very, very good. That is going to come up absolutely on the top 10 of the year. So tune in for that at the end of the year. Um, but let's get on to this movie, shall we? I've got to pull this up on my phone now because... Um, my stupid computer decided to take a sh actually let me see do you have some do you have some power can i get through this can we do this how much power do you have it's just going to say oh i have some power ooh uh dagan from 2001 released on july 23rd of 2002 in the us rated r for moderate sex and nudity uh, severe violence and gore moderate profanity mild alcohol drugs and smoking and severe frightening and intense scenes We've got a uh, runtime of an hour and 38 minutes listed as a fantasy horror mystery. Definitely leans in a lot of the fantasy. I mean, it's an H.P. Lovecraft adaptation. What do you expect? Uh, directed by the late, great Stuart Gordon, who sadly passed away in 2020. Uh, he has 22 directing credits and also did movies like Reanimator, uh, From Beyond, which are also both H.P. Lovecraft adaptations. And which a uh, movie which I don't think you've seen that you will love because it's not you reanimator um <laughs> i know you don't like that one uh dolls is amazing i'm pretty it's, sure i watched dolls with you the killer dolls that all come to life in the house yeah the hotel Did thing? You? no it wasn't a hotel oh. uh, well, not really a hotel were there two punk girls in it no okay then i'm thinking of a different movie with killer dolls so. <laughs> okay uh we've got so yeah Stuart gordon is a great great director a lot of good stuff written by dennis paoli uh 17 writing credits also did reanimator from beyond uh with uh, Stuart gordon and then he also did ghoulies 2 body snatchers from the 90s and then the dentist one and two which if you've never seen the dentist movies they're fucking mm -mm. so unhinged mm -mm. It's literally about a killer dentist. You'll never see anything like it again. It's... Yeah, you know how I feel about going to the regular dentist. I will absolutely oh. not be ever watching any dental horror. Damn it. The fact it's... that they have to drug me to get teeth cleanings <laughs> means I will not be watching Fine. that. Composed by Carl's Cases, 63 composers, composer credit. <laughs> so early composer credits uh he did a lot of spanish titled movies i've never heard of there's a lot of uh actors and people involved in this and not from like mexico like spain spanish because this was shot in spain spain spanish, good. Spain, spanish. well because it's both it's both spanish you know but it's like two completely separate parts of the world yeah. so it's confusing um obviously like i've said this is also um based oh sorry composer that should be wait what Oh, God. I, I put that at the wrong spot. I'm sorry. So it was written by Dennis Paoli. Is also based on the short stories of H.P. Lovecraft, Dagon, and the, shatter over, the Shadow Over Innsmouth, which is a weird thing. 
Cinematography by Carl Suarez, 93 cinematographer credits, primarily Spanish movies as well. I'm only going to mention the two people that have actually done things because there's really only like one person in this movie that's... I, I don't know what that was about, but it's Ezra Godin as Paul, as Paul Marsh. He only has 19 acting credits, and he was also in Band of Brothers as Robert Van Klinken. And then we've got Brendan Price as Howard, who has 61 acting credits and was also in four episodes of Doctor Who in 1977. The rest of them are all Spanish actors, so there's really no point in saying who they are and what they've done because I don't know any of it. It's It's all... Did you just kick him? You fucking liar. That scared the <laughs> shit out of me. <laughs> Fucking... I've been moving him for the last two minutes. Oh my God, don't do that. So uh, let's see. This had an estimated budget of four, 4.2 million euros and only grossed $145,000 in the box office. I think this was more of a like direct-to-video thing. I don't think this really yeah. went around. Yeah. Uh, this movie was filmed in Barcelona and Ponte Vedra, Spain. You can watch this on Amazon with a MovieSphere subscription. You can rent it for $3.99, buy it for $5.99, Nine, ninety nine, or get the Vestron video release like I did for twenty eight bucks. I did not pay that much for it. It was on sale for like fifteen at one point, but I would still, I would because uh, it looked the version that we have on Vestron. It looked really like clean for being t- like twenty one years old. It looked really good. Yeah, yeah. Movies that came out around the same time, we've got Artificial Intelligence, AI, which is just a name said twice. I don't, I don't get that. Cats and Dogs, Scary Movie 2, uh, Legally Blonde, Jurassic Park 3, Planet of the Apes, The Princess Diaries, Rush Hour 2, American Pie 2, a lot of twos this year, The Others, Rat Race, Bubble Boy, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars, Jeepers Creepers, The Glass House, and Hardball. Holy shit. I've seen most of those. I've seen most of these movies. Like Most of them are pretty damn good, too. Um, did you have any specific horror moments of this movie, lady? Nope. Really? No. Oh, shit. Okay, well, I had two, but one of them is like, I don't want to explain it because it's at the end and it's like fucking crazy. But I'd say my specific horror moment was when... Uh, Paul comes across those comes across like those skinned people like he just walks into all these people that have been skinned and I, was, I just wasn't on ex- drying racks yeah, yeah on drying racks I was like ooh that's fucking creepy uh, did you have a favorite kill no wow uh, I don't know if this person died but uh, I'll just say they did but it was the Nokia phone to the face fucking hilarious because that would definitely kill someone um, do 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 favorite line Nope. Wow. Oh, uh, um, you will. You are my brother, and you will be my lover. Because <laughs> I was like, you were like, she doesn't know they're related, and I was like, or she didn't know they were related. I'm like, she absolutely knows they were related. Yeah. Well. You, you were right. Uh, mine was when Howard was talking to his wife and he was like, remember when we used to fight like that? I would have thrown you overboard. It would have been a lot cheaper. Like, Jesus. <laughs> Fucking zing. Uh, I didn't really have a favorite character or least favorite character. Um, I didn't really, I don't know. There I didn't was, have uh, enough energy to care about the individual characters. I, okay, I'll take that back. I'll say Ezekiel was my favorite character because he was the drunk guy under the bridge. <laughs> I was like, you know what, dude? Go, go you, you go. You know what? He tried. He definitely tried. Uh, but yeah, there's like, there's only, really the only guy in this movie for 90% of it's fucking Paul. 
you know, they, they, there's four people that I thought were going to be the core of the story that it's, they end up like being, getting separated and it's just Paul wandering around like a doofus. Um, so without further ado, let me do the IMDb summary and then you can take it away. So we've got a boating incident or accident runs a young man and woman ashore in a decrepit Spanish fishing town where they discover, uh, where they discover is in the grips of an ancient sea god and its monstrous half-human offspring, Dagon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Okay. So this film opens with Paul scuba diving into what looks like a absolutely monstrous eye cavern thing. Yeah. Um, and when he's down there, he touches something, like clears it off, sees it's gold, looks over, sees a mermaid. Um, and then the mermaid uh, tries to take his mask off and has crazy pointy teeth. I'd also like to say for the record that I forgot that this was filmed in the 2000s for most of the film, except for every time they put CGI in this because the CGI was so bad that it was immediately like, oh, yeah, this film's from 2001, isn't it? Because I, I really like thought the whole movie... My brain was like, this is the 80s because their clothing wasn't different enough to be like, this isn't like the 80s or 90s. And then the CGI would pop up and you're like, oh, God, that's right. 2000. I, it's weird because, yeah, like, it really sucked you right out of the film. Oh, yeah. Because like, you know, a lot of uh, not a lot of his films, but, you know, Stuart Gordon was he had a lot of 80s hits. So yeah, 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 yeah I, th I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, 2001. That's when Dagan was from. I thought this was like. 89 or Which 90. Which it felt like until the CGI came up and you're like, oh shit, right. Well, yeah, okay. yeah, it was very weird. So. Uh, it, it was really out of place in that film. It was rough. But so anyway, so the mermaid attacks him. He wakes up and uh, he is on a boat where, um, because the whole thing was a dream. He's on a boat with his uh, lady love, um, Brenda. Ba Barbara. 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 Whichever. Um, and Paul and Barbara are talking a conversation you and I both agreed. Um, we could not follow <laughs> what the hell they were talking about. Because no sometimes they were talking about <laughs> money and sometimes they were talking about uh, like being on vacation. But then like everything in the middle, you're like, what conversation? are? What are you talking about? You're just saying words. Yeah. And then he was on his computer trying to do work. and then He she was just... trying to check their stocks yeah. because they had a, had a lucrative business. And then she got pissed that he was doing that. So he yeets. She. Or sorry, she takes his computer and yeets it off the boat. Like that is not an appropriate response, lady. And then this is where we get the uh, couple and your favorite line with the wife saying that um, it, if we still fought like that, she'd have thrown him off the boat, and yeah, the husband's like, it would have been cheaper. Would have been a lot cheaper. And. Um, <laughs> so what's super weird is they've clearly just woken up for the day, um, and also the fact that there's four people in one bed on that boat. Uh, but nobody seems to mind that. I don't know what I don't know what's happening on that I'm not, boat. I'm not sure. Also, what I'm not a judging, but what's what a, going on? What a weird difference in age between Paul and Barbara and Howard. Not and, a single comment on how they know each other. Like where you work is this a, like? Did you? I don't. So many questions. Yeah, but so, it doesn't matter because they crash very quickly. I'm getting there. No, I know. I'm just saying it doesn't um, really matter. Like they don't have time to explain it. It's just funny. Yeah, because then they're like, oh, it, it looks like it's the morning. And they're like, yeah, there's only a few hours of sun left. And um, Barbara's like, yeah, there's going to be a beautiful sunset. I'm like, isn't it like 9 a.m.? What? Didn't and, we just, did, was this a nap? I don't. And then out of nowhere, a bunch of storm clouds just roll right over them. Their uh, ship wails into a rock while um, 
what's her face is down below. What's her name? Vicky. Vicky. Thank Icky you. Vicky. Uh, Vicky is down below. Somehow she gets between it, the rock punctures the bottom of the boat um, and wedges her leg under. She would have lost that leg, by the way, in that scenario that she wouldn't just be stuck under a rock that's wedged into your boat. Leg gone. Yeah, I don't. And it, 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 was, it didn't make sense. The mechanics of that crash yeah. didn't work. It didn't make um, sense how she was. I was like, how are you trapped? Are we not going to show how the foot is? No. OK. Right, yeah. Fine. Whatever. So. uh her husband um, lovingly stays with her while they're being uh, basically slowly like a bigger, bigger. <laughs> I'm the cool. captain of the ship. I'll stay. Like, okay, well, he's also okay. staying with his wife. No, I know. It's just but funny. like the water's <laughs> rising and it's just blood at this point. Ew. Um, yeah, sorry, I'm leaving you. I I'm not leaving you, but I'm going to like hold you from up here. Not in the pool of blood. No, I'm leaving. Bye. I, I, that's a probably insensitive. <laughs> I'd probably hold you in a pool of blood. I prefer not to ever have that experience. I would just say but... get out of here. Like, there's no point in both of us dying. Just go. Well, <laughs> like, like give it leave. a chance first for that. They're right next to an island, to be clear. A weird, sketchy-looking hey, fisherman that, village. Yeah, that they, that they use binocs on, and they didn't see anything. So, yeah, fucking so suspicious. Paul runs up, shoots a flare. Nobody responds. <laughs> so he and Barbara get on a boat, uh, get on a dinghy. Um, and a raft and they go to shore while the raft is like sinking. Um, and then they're running all over. There's no one there. It's pouring rain. They finally get to a church where all of the, um, artifacts in the church are gold and strangely shaped. And this is definitely not a Christian church. I mean, it says Dagon on the, uh, front of the church, but they're like, Whoa, what kind of fucking church is this? The church of Dagon. Yeah, He's so your, he is your they God find now. a priest who speaks Spanish, and um, so Barbara's talking to him because Paul don't speak no Spanish, which he makes abundantly clear throughout the film. Uh, yeah, by adding O to everything. Please, oh, please, oh, Rumo, H- help, and oh, like, Rumo, and you're like, Jesus, that's so stereotypical. And I was Why like, bitch, do don't pretend you don't know por favor. Like, yeah, it's a very on. basic Spanish phrase. And uh, speaking on the Spanish, real quick, it was hilarious because they were. You know, they're all speaking Spanish, but the subtitles on the bottom are just in Spanish. I'm like, that's not fucking helping me. I don't know. I know it's basic Spanish. So I thought they were going to actually put the translation on the bottom. No, it's just. The I'm assumption like, is the you should have no idea what half the dialogue in the film is. Because we didn't know what they were saying most of the time. Don't even include it, though. You know what I mean? Like, don't even include if it's just going to be Spanish. I was like, this is the, this will be a great time for those three years of Spanish I took in high school to kick in so I could know what they're talking about. So um, they go to the church. They find the priest. Uh, the priest, they're like, we need, a poli- we need police. We need help. Our friends are trapped on this boat. The boat's sinking. They go out to the docks with the priest where you can barely see the top of the boat because the waves are really high, but these are really bad CGI waves. Oh, where it's like the wave break, but it's just rows and rows of wave breaks. So you just can't see shit. And you're like, water doesn't look like that. Also, also remember, because I was also like, you also came in on your dinghy in that shit? No, no, you did Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, you did not. So um, he's like, yeah, we can't get anyone out there, but there are just na- now there are two guys in a boat next to them and she's like uh what about those guys could they perhaps take us out there and um the priest is like "Mm, hold on so he goes and checks with them those guys are sketchy as hell they're all pale and they look weird they look like fish yeah they've got like big eyes and like but they're all super super covered up yeah and um except for yeah they're super pale skin 
Uh, and he's like, okay, well, one of you can go with them, and one of you needs to stay to notify the police. They're like, yeah, no, that makes sense. Let's. They've already split up twice. They've yeah. already split up from the from Howard and Vicky, and then they've split up themselves. That's two times you're fucked. Don't like, do that. You guys are really bad at this. N- you've never seen a horror movie in your life, apparently. So Paul goes back to the boat. Barbara runs off with the uh, priest to go tell the cops, and uh, when Paul gets to the boat, they're just gone. Yeah. Yeah, so because the last we saw is um, Vicky and Roger. No, Vicky and Howard. Whichever. <laughs> Vicky and Howard. Woman. I don't know these people's names. I can, uh, I can to be tell. fair, he was in the film for two minutes. Yeah, he was. Vicky and Howard were on the boat, <laughs> and then the red water was turning inky. Like there was just ink and oil. It looked like there was oil in the water. You guys made me ink. Jesus. And um, <laughs> then they like shine a flashlight at it, and she's screaming, and then that's the last we see of them. And then when Paul goes, they're gone. Well, and she also says something about I there's feel something there's in the water. something in the water. And I'm like, yeah. it's probably fish. i'm just saying so in the ocean let me focus man sorry so paul gets back to shore barbara's just fucking gone oh no she goes up to the hotel um per the priest's instructions to use the phone she goes up there there's a guy just standing at the front desk she's trying to talk to him he He's will not like, respond about using yeah. the phone that's sitting right in front of him. So she goes to use it, and then he swats at her. So she swats at him, and and he is did is, did he the is he the one that had the he's the he had like crazy long fingers. I could have sworn he was the one that had the gills. Yeah, but you don't know that yet. I wasn't there. Oh, okay. yeah, you don't see them till Paul sees them. Oh, I thought we saw them. I thought I thought we saw them saw them right away. Yeah, so we go uh, back to Paul. Paul. Gets told by the priest that she's up at the hotel. And he's like, what fucking hotel? So he goes up to the hotel. Um, Barbara's not there. And he's like, I guess I'll wait till she gets back. Because the priest is like, she'll be back one hour. Like, why one hour? Where did she go for an hour? She obviously had to get some photos developed, okay? Like, really? One hour photo. So um, he tries his worst Spanish attempts ever. Uh, Rumo, please um. And he finally gets a room key from the guy. Notices he has gills. And he's like, what the fuck? That's weird. Goes up to this room. Gill man. uh, Where I also appreciate that Paul goes from dripping wet, like absolutely sopping wet to completely dry repeatedly throughout the film. Like he's been in the room two minutes. How did he have time to dry? And um, what are you doing? Can you stop it? Sorry. Uh, So... Yeah, it's super funny how like there's no continuity on that, but yeah, that um, was in the uh, goofs of how he just like yeah, he's wet, dry, wet, wet dry. dry, wet, dry, wet, dry. Like so, it looks like sometimes someone just dumped a bucket of water directly on his head, <laughs> and then other times it looks like someone misted his hair, and you're like, no, no, he's still wet. Like his clothes are dry; they're orange. You can tell when they're wet. Yeah. Um. So he goes up to the room. He's kind of looking around. And he's like, the the place is. What? What? Stop moving the microphone! I, like you want to do a show? Sorry. Stop moving the microphone! I can't focus. You want me to lose where I am? No, sorry. So, <sighs> no, I don't remember where I am because you wouldn't stop messing me up, man. Paul is in the hotel room. Yeah, and it's totally dilapidated in there. Dilapidated. Dilap- dilapidated. Dilapid. Yeah. Whichever. An anemone. Uh, 
in there and he's like it, it just kind of looks like it's run down and like no one's actually using this as a hotel and he goes into the bathroom and it is horrifyingly gross in there and he's just oh, like, yeah, just yeah. like filthy and he's like uh, this is gross <laughs> and then he hears all these people outside making a lot of noise oh I should say, before they went onto this island, they could hear the entire island chanting. And they're like, what is that? And they're like, mm, maybe it's a holiday thing. And then just shrug off the crazy rhythmic chanting. Was it chanting or were they kind of like... Uh, like, uh, like, uh, like or- yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which only stopped uh, when they banged on the doors of the church. Sorry. That was like a really weird thing that happened that I kind of forgot about. So back to Paul. Paul oh. looks out the window there are a bunch of people in what appear to be fishermen uh, trench coats and hats. Like we're like hundreds. And, yeah, like limping so and flailing all over the place. And he's like, what the fuck are these people doing in the rain? Just like acting really odd, grunting, making all sorts of noises, which sounded weirdly more like pigs than it did sea creatures. But sure. Can I say can I say one part of this, if you don't mind? Go ahead. Because I, th- I find it just hilarious and I wanted to talk about it. Go ahead. Um, well... It was about the lock. I just want to say the part the part about the lock. Can okay. you can you just get me to the yeah. lock? Because I I just I have to. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah they said okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> All right. So yeah, Paul's like, what the hell? Um, at like full volume, and uh, then someone looks up and spots him, and then they're like, ah, oh, shit, yeah. A person. And then they all start charging into the uh, hotel, which apparently at high speed for him being on like the top floor. Um, and you, he can hear them starting to check all the rooms. And that's when he notices the door that's supposed to have a locking mechanism doesn't actually have a locking mechanism. Yes. Yeah, so he notices this. And I think he I think he opens the door and he locks. There's like a lock on the outside of the door that he flipped. I think that happened. Yeah. And he closes it. And then, he, yeah, he goes to lock it, notices there's no lock. But like lo- one of those bathroom latch locks. Yeah. It's very small. You can see where it should be on the thing, but it's not there. But luckily, this man, thankfully, has a Swiss army knife that he whips out. He sees that there's a lock on some other door next to him, the bathroom door, and he starts to unscrew this little lock with this fucking Swiss army knife, and then he just puts it over to the door he's in front of. He gets one screw in the left top side. It's like, that's good enough. Locks it, then puts the other screw in on the bottom right, still missing two screws. And I don't know what that fucking thing is made out of, but I need that lock on every door because it did not break, even though it was loosely tightened with the fucking break the door itself they had to break the door down because they couldn't get in for this little tiny lock and i was like it one it wasn't even screwed in all the way it wasn't didn't have all the screws and they are kicking that door and it's not opening i was dying laughing because i'd never seen that was the most chaotic i have to lock the door oh i don't have anything oh just good i mean good thinking on your feet but i was dying laughing because it made no sense yeah absolutely and then how does he even escape i don't even remember because i was laughing so hard so he runs into the bathroom uh because there's a door oh the dirty it's like a joint bathroom which is odd Uh, so he starts trying to kick the door down with what can only be described as the weakest kicks ever because it's like he's barely hitting the door you're like are you actually trying to get through so on the last charge to the door where he actually put some force behind it is when they break into his room and um he gets through the door falls over immediately uh which is weird considering how he broke down the door but he uh gets through the 
bathroom door on the other side, closes it, and then gets a dresser in front of it. Well, except that that other room also doesn't have a lock on the front door. So he's holding that while trying to hold the (laughs) chest in place by himself. You're like, this is a terrible plan. This is chaotic. Because he looks out of his bedroom window at one point and sees it's just straight down, so he can't go anywhere. So when when they start getting through the main door, because it's a bunch of people versus one guy holding this door closed... Um, he gets to the window where they're trying to grab at him and he like swats them away. There's a lot of swatting at people. Um, yeah. And he looks down and sees there's like an atrium, like a glass ceiling thing. So he just jumps onto that right through it onto hard ground. And we were both like hospital immediately hospital. Cause not only have you landed on your ass from like two stories, but you fell through glass and landed directly on the glass. There was nothing breaking your fall. You would have been shredded. There's not a scratch on him or his clothes. Yeah, he yeets himself out of at least a second story. I think it was third story into glass, lands on his tailbone. Like you would have, that would have been probably death because your spinal cord would have compressed so hard from the impact of that. I think I don't think you would have made it, but or no, you've been severely injured. Because yeah, no, again, you landed on the goddamn glass, on the glass, on 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 the ground, not like in a bush or a plant. And then he just brushes himself off and gets up. I'm like, there's no way. This is not real life. I don't think so. This is not based in a reality that we know. Yeah. So this is where Paul <laughs> ends up running into. Because uh, again, he is just trying to outrun the entire fucking town. Yeah. Um, of fish monsters. Yeah. And so I'm trying to speed this up a little. So, um, yeah, well, we don't, have, did, we don't have much left. So, yeah, he runs around and he finds the um, place where they have all of these skins drying like like animal hides. Horrifying. Um, and he finds uh, Howard's skin and he's like, oh, shit. Well, there's Howard. And so he's not sure where anyone else is, but he certainly knows Howard didn't make it. Um he sets that shit on fire, which everyone loses their minds about and starts running out with the hides that are not burnt. Uh, and so he uses one of those as a disguise, which is, again, hilarious. because <laughs> Everyone's wearing black trench coats. He is wearing a bright orange sweater and khakis blended. But and it's funny, too, because that's a weird thing to use to blend in because that's what they are eating, I assume. No, so- they're wearing those. Oh, think about the end scene and they had all that crazy right. stuff on oh, okay. that was skin okay oh yeah no 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 you're right you're right but still he's holding it up on the thing yeah like he's not putting it on he's got it held up because well, the they're running out all the, I know. the things but it's just such it's a terrible just, it's just so silly so he's running off and then he goes to hide and he um Bumps into an old drunk man who seems less like fish than everyone Ezekiel. else and uh so it's Ezekiel and he starts to scream and he stops him and like has his pocket knife because he's going to get everybody with that little pocket knife. knife. And he's like, what the hell's going on? Like what the fuck is happening? Where's Barbara? Like, where's everybody? And Ezekiel's like, Oh, the women are dead. I saw them killed. They're gone. RIP. And not to side note, while Ezekiel is doing this entire thing, I'm about to describe he is not only drinking bottles, he's finishing them and then pulling out more bottles. Yeah. So it's, just, it's like his coat's <laughs> lined with liquor, like he's his own walking liquor store. 
Like he, it's hilarious. I, it would not surprise me if he just opened up his thing and he had like different like the liquors. Watches, yeah, but just it's like liquor. boom. Like, what do you need? I got you rum, vodka, tequila, five dollars, five dollars. Yeah. So he explains that um, he is not like everybody else who have started to turn into uh, the sea, as they say. But they're like growing tentacles or gills. They're all turning into fish people. He explains it's that so when awesome. he was a child, there was a fishing village and how they had prayed to God because the fish had been running out, but nothing was happening. And then a man whose name Kambaro. was Kambaro. What's his first name, though? Xavier? Uh, I, I think it was. Yeah, it was. It was Xavier. Some, yeah. Yes, it was Xavier. I'm just, I just knew his last uh, name was Kambaro, yeah. who um, is the most like Disney sinister looking uh, fisherman ever. He's got like the black mustache and an all black outfit he's and a black like, like goatee. He's like the new Jafar from the live yeah. action Aladdin. He doesn't really look that menacing, but you know, he's supposed to be. He's got yeah. like that. I've got evil facial hair. Yeah. Um. So Ooh, bad. <laughs> he explains that he found gold in the ocean and he um, prayed to a God who brings answers and brings gold. And he'll bring you fish as well and, and, and gold in the ocean. And you're like, uh-huh. So people start <laughs> worshiping this god or start praying to it, and then they start seeing gold come up with their fish. And um, so you see Ezekiel's parents, because he's a little boy when this is happening, both, they throw the gold back. This is not what they want. They, this is not what they want to do. They just want fish. Um, they want to live an honest life. They want to pray to the god they want to pray to. Well, the town starts to go ape shit and, like, starts destroying all the um christian like all the jesus statues all the christian um imagery in the the town and starts um and then we see like capybara capybara cambaro cambaro uh chanting at the ocean and throws in this big pyramid thing um and then something large comes to him um but you don't get to see and ezekiel and his mom watch this happen and it's this like crazy ritual, but then like they kill the priest and they replace all of the um, religious artifacts with the golden stuff from the uh, ocean. And it turns into a church of Dagon because Dagon is the god they're referring to. Such an awesome name, I'm just saying. And um, so, yeah, and eventually the gold stops appearing. So they decide to start ritual sacrifice. Which... Well, no, no. Remember, because the, the, the Dagon is, is, is asking for sacrifices now. Well, that's what they're saying. He yeah. said after the gold stopped appearing. Yeah, they yeah to, to keep that going. He's like, yeah, now we got to start killing bitches. Like, yeah. oh, I didn't know that was part of the deal. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, Fuck. because um, Ezekiel's parents were um, more forced into practicing and they clearly were not interested in doing it. They get sacrificed first. So Ezekiel was never like everybody else because he, you know, was honoring his parents. And um, it's kind of a bummer for Ezekiel. Yeah, that whole story, I was like, oh, that's why he's my favorite. I was like, I just feel so bad for you. You didn't do anything wrong. Poor Ezekiel. Yeah. Probably why you drink. So he decides, Ezekiel decides that while he has never helped anybody else out because people come to this village all the time and they get sacrificed. Yeah, they do. Um, He decides he's going to help Paul out and they come up with an elaborate plan to steal the only car that exists, which is apparently Cambaro's car. Yeah. And um, so when they go to steal it, though, uh, he's like, he Paul threatens Ezekiel and he's like, well, how do you, I know I can, um, he's like, well, I can either assume you're going to rat me out or I can trust you. And um, 
Ezekiel's like, you can trust me. I'm not like the others. Um, he's like, he wa- he, I want to help. And uh, so he distracts the guards. Paul can't hotwire a fucking car. And uh, instead of jumpstarting the car, just wails the horn. And uh, then his plan for escaping that scenario is to run into the house of the main bad guy where he just runs all over the place um, and eventually pops into a room where the mermaid girl he had been dreaming of is, is laying there with the craziest eyes ever. Oh, just like completely wa- eyes wide open. Yeah, just... and uh, she is, um, so he like hides behind the door while her father comes to check on her and she's like, oh, no, 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 I'm fine. And uh, so she's like, yes, Paul, I've been dreaming of you too. And then they start kissing and apparently... Paul is very distracted by boobs because even though he's like, no, I can't do this because like fucking Barbara apparently isn't even cold in the ground. And he's like, well, I guess we could do it. I have time. Um, Your emotions are in a weird place. I mean, I don't know. Do you just go with it or do you what do you do in that situation? Yeah, Well, after he you don't. (laughs) Uh, So he undoes her top, starts feeling down her ribs and notices large sets of gills. So he throws the blanket off her and she's got tentacles instead of legs huge tentacle legs. just two tentacles man oh Not like this is an ursula type thing two it's, it's she's got two it's fucking wild and it immediately reminded me that this film was set in the 2000s or uh was filmed in the <laughs> 2000s because i was like oh no that's bad oh uh, they were awesome don't and even they were lie. not even proportional to her body they it were was, like leg sized tentacles it looks so it odd. was beautiful it's like some <laughs> sci-fi type shit um so oh, i love it so much he's like Oh, ew. Fuck Bye. And then Sorry, but uh that's a no from me. That's that's my breaking point. I don't do chicks with uh with tentacles. I'm sorry. Yeah, so he runs (laughs) off, uh, eventually finds the chauffeur, uh, gets into a fight with the chauffeur and a Nokia phone. Um, we don't think the chauffeur made it. He did get bludgeoned by one of those brick Ikea, uh, the Nokia Nokia phones, which as we know, will kill you. Probably. I mean, they were, they were, they could survive a lot. Yeah. Um, so he gets in the car, finally like gets gone. And then he immediately decides what's more important is running into people, which then gets a leg jammed up under his tires. So then he goes, gets out of the car Goes running off again, breaks into somebody's house. There is a child, like the house is like shin deep in water. There's a child screaming in there for somebody. Again, no subtitles, so not exactly (laughs) sure who they were screaming for, even though the text was on there in Spanish. Yeah. So he's screaming for somebody. um, And then this crazy fish man appears out of the water, tries to kill Paul. Paul kills that guy, um, tries to break out again. But he does eventually get captured and um, thrown into a cell. Yeah, he gets knocked out or whatever. And then when he comes to, he gets a clearer picture of what the hell these people are about to do because his day is just going to get worse. Sorry, Paul. Yeah. This movie was wild. It was one long chase scene. It was awesome. I loved it. Yeah. We'll get into some trivia real quick and some goofs and then the rating and then we'll get the fuck out of here. Uh, so Paul's shirt in the film indicates he is an alumni of Miskatonic University, an institution that's featured prominently in H.P. Lovecraft stories and one of the settings in Reanimator. 
uh, the first Lovecraft ad- craft. Lovecraft adaptation by Stuart Gordon. Um, Dagon appears in the Judo-Christian Bible and is the name of the half-fish, half-man deity who is the father of Baal, or Baal. Dagon was worshipped by the Assyrians in Nineveh, whom the prophet Jonah was sent to preach to. So it's like a real thing. Uh, the majority of this film was shot with a handheld camera. Interesting. And there's a about the uh, Nokia bit in here. So Brian Usna was in his car once with his wife, Kathy, and they were stopped by a gunman. Although terrified, Usna grabbed the gun and started smacking the guy with it. They ended up fighting, and Kathy started hitting the gunman with her cell phone to get him off of Brian. She said, I've got to get a bigger cell phone, hence the use of the line in the film, which the filmmakers felt was representative of, her- of heroics of ordinary people. <laughs> so that line... From Paul is something that Brian Usen's wife actually said in oh, real nice. life. That's fucking, that's fucking great. Um, and then last but not least here, we've got for the scene in which a mob of Dagon's followers storm a church and hammers into its desecration. Stuart uh, and hammers it into desecration. Stuart Gordon uh, was concerned that he wouldn't find extras in Cambaro willingly to sully altars and stone holy images. However, the Galatians, remembering how during the Spanish War, the Re- Republicans burned churches in retaliation for the Vatican's support for the Francoist coup? Francoist coup? No. Uh, so were the extra. So, so the extras were delighted to desecrate the false. Coup. Coup. C O U P. No, I'm saying it's more. It's more Francoist. I didn't know if that was the right way. Francoist coup. I don't. Yeah. I don't know why you think I can. So yeah. So anyways, because of that, the extras were delighted to desecrate the false church to the point where they asked to repeat the scene with the spare props. Nice. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Uh, yes, when the storm is approaching, so here's some goofs. When the storm is approaching towards the ship, the sky gets dark quickly, but in other shots, the sky, the sky is clear blue with a bright sun. When Paul escapes uh, skinning, you can see hung and dead Ezekiel breathing in the background. Funny. After Paul hits the man. Spoiler. Yeah. Whatever. I'll just take that out. After Paul hits the man uh, and and runs the car off the road, the hubcap comes off the wheel twice. The second time, the wire on the cap is clearly visible. And when Paul is trying to escape in the car and hits one of the villagers in the road, the man is yanked back by an obvious harness before the car even touches him, which we both saw. And that was hilarious. Rated 6.2 out of 10 on IMDb, 3.1 out of 5 on Letterboxd. I gave this a 3.5. It was wacky. It was wild. It was silly. It made no sense. And it was just so much fucking fun. What? Oh, boy. Oh, God. Like a 2? Yeah. No! I'm sorry. Not only did the no! CGI just upset my eyes. We're talking like 90s Hercules budget. and It was, um, so, it was so chaotic. I loved it. I, I really did not like that. I had no idea what most people were saying the whole I film, know. which is fine when you do that for some scenes, like um, when there are scenes that our characters are speaking Spanish to each other and there's no reason for you to know the dialogue because you can infer what's happening. But it, it, when it's the whole fucking film, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and um, the whole incest ending was super creepy. Well, the no- fact that he was like, no, well, no, I'm, I'm listen, listen, listen. This is more of so sometimes it's hard to rate movies that aren't good. I don't know if I should give them a bad rating, but I just had so much fun with how chaotic this was and how it made no sense. I'm like, no, that was I'm rating this for the for the enjoyment I had minus the weird. Yes, obviously, the incestual things was not, I was not a fan of that, obviously, but it's just it was so chaotic. And that that just fit in so well, weirdly enough, like when she said that, I was like, I'm just not surprised at this point, because why not? Uh, so that, that gets a three five just because I thought it was just ridiculous. 
ridiculous in an you know, hour and 35 minutes, not even that big of a, of a time waster. So I thought it was fun, uh, but I, I figured you, I figured you, one of these days you're going to like a Stuart Gordon movie. Well, you sure keep it, showing them it to me. It is my goal. I'm, I'm going to show you dolls next. There's no boobs. There's no nudity. There's no weird incestuous things. It's just killer dolls. And this little girl and like her grandpa or something like that. You God, are, I hope there's no boobs. You are going to like that one. Yeah. Well, we both know I have a problem with a film that immediately puts boobs in because they're boobs. Because there were there were boobs in the opening credit, for God's sake. Like there was n- absolutely no reason to do that. You just did that because clearly you see women as objects. Delightful. And uh, yeah. Anyways, I don't think I don't think it's necessarily that, but OK. Would you like more evidence? Because I got a lot. Huh? Would you like more evidence? I, I don't think I don't think he's using women. Okay, I don't want to get into that. I, we're gonna we're they're gonna have different opinions on that. I don't want to get into all that. Maybe that's what it is. I I don't feel that way. But um, uh, you got me distracted now. What was I gonna say? Oh, we gotta wrap this up. Yeah, we. That's do. what we're doing. So Dagan, go check it out. Um, completely varying opinions. Uh, <laughs> I I will say this: if you like if you like Stuart Gordon's work, if you like Reanimator, you like From Beyond. You're going to like this. I'll go ahead and say that. If you're not a fan of those movies or you haven't seen those movies, it'll be a gamble. So uh, follow us on Facebook at Frightmares and Instagram and Slasher app at Frightmares Podcast. Twitter, Frightmares underscore pod. Uh, I am Dr. Proctor on Letterboxd. You are. Oh, stay spooky at Outlook.com is for email. I'm Dr. Proctor on Letterboxd. You are. Watson LMP90. Boom. Me and Spencer will be back next week doing an Adam Green joint. So if you know him and his work, then you can get a pretty good idea. We're going into December. So um, we are going to be doing pretty much any movie that has snow in it. We're not really doing Christmas movies. We are going to be doing a special. Me and you are. And we're finally going to do... The movie I've been asking to yes. do for Christmas. Yes. Uh, we're going to do that one. We're going to do a brand new movie for this year that's Christmas themed. But yeah, we're going to just do some colder, icy, just movies for December. Some frostier Some films. frostier films. Yeah. Uh, super frosty. And then, you know, at the end of the year, we will do our top 10. And then we'll be into year five of Frightmare. So until next week, guys, stay tuned and stay spooky. Stay spooky.